the number two overall selection in the 2023 MLS Super Draft presented by Adidas Orlando City take a forward and generation Adidas signing out of Duke, Shaq Muhammad. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Orlando Soccer Show. It is the final episode we'll be doing in 2022, a year of many things happening, including a trophy for Orlando City, a new coach for the Orlando Pride, college soccer happened and is done, the college draft just happened. We're going to be talking about that. We're also going to be talking about some trades that Orlando City made, uh, some signings the Orlando Pride made, some potential signings for both teams, and uh, just a little bit of everything else. We'll have some fun here in this final show of 2022, and we'll get y'all updated on everything going on in the world of Orlando soccer. My name is Austin David, here with Gavin Eubank, and back from his vacation, Kyle Foley. Guys, how you doing? Yes, a surprise last-minute appearance from Kyle, who... What did we say last time? He had his arm stuck in a vending machine or something. So he got it out. <laughs> Kyle's back, everyone. I did actually have an incident with a vending machine while I was gone. No, like not like a like a damaging one, but like I, it just wouldn't take my card, and I didn't have cash because <laughs> it's in a foreign country that I had run out of uh, the cash that I I needed. But uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm doing terrible because I'm back in Florida, and after spending two weeks in New Zealand where every single view, I mean, literally walking out of the, the like public restroom at like a campground, uh, which here would just be like a, a porta potty was like an incredible at like outrageously great structured built out of stone, super clean. It was, it was crazy. Everything's super great. So yeah. And then I came back to Florida where the whole state is a toilet. I was going to say, you went from the beautiful views to a Waffle House and an Arby's on every corner and cigarette butts everywhere you go. Well, see, beautiful. you had me on the, f- the first two things are, are positives. And actually, surprisingly, <laughs> there were a lot more people smoking there than I'm used to seeing here. <laughs> well, isn't New Zealand, they're like phasing out. Like the, they're raising the smoking age, I think it is, to like 50 or something. So like eventually oh. it's going to be illegal for everyone like no one's gonna be people are grandfathered in but like eventually no one will be allowed to buy them what you're saying I, the, the grandfathers are grandfathered in yeah, yeah that, 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 like that seems bizarre but i'm i guess i'd i'd have to look i don't i don't know like i think it was new zealand it was one of those countries down there in that uh in that area so don't yeah, I mean, don't don't question any of uh, any of the things <laughs> that australia or new zealand does they they are they are very <laughs> unique in in their their goings-on yeah, occasionally I come across Australian politics or, or like New Zealand politics, and they 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 got some uh, wacky ideas down there. Yeah, they they don't always work the way you think they do too. It's like you th- you have the perception of like, oh, they're this kind of country, and it's like, oh, they're actually shitty sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot that though was was pretty good. I mean, the fact that like, like oh, they hate games, immigrants. <laughs> yeah, well, kind of thing. I will I will give them a little bit of that. Is like it's a very like just all immigrants like being very it's not so much that they hate like when you're there like visiting and stuff as long as you're respectful of the land everyone is super super like the friendliest people i've ever met um Mm -hmm. to like our entire group we were a giant tour group so like we would be the people it was like 60 people so like it would be a group that you would think like people would hate and you would understand that right because it's a giant group of tourists um but like when you go in like the 
the process to get through customs is pretty pretty serious because they're like yeah we don't want any of that shit here anything you have from back home keep that away from here which when you're an isolated island and you want to make sure there's no like uh you know they like they have no natural land predators and they don't want foot and mouth disease coming in and killing their mm-hmm. economy, which is basically tourism and then sheep and cows. So, like, I get it to an extent, uh, but yeah, like, it's, it's sure, there's probably plenty politically that's not amazing I mean, there, but, like, I would take it over here. God, God only knows how many how many rare diseases you probably brought to that island, too, just unknowingly. It, the, good th- the good thing, keeping on topic with the show, though, the thing that I did <laughs> like was, like, sporting events are on really early in the day. So, like, the NFL games were on at, like, 7 a.m., which was incredible. Uh, the World Cup final at 4 a.m. wasn't amazing, but when the games were at 10 a.m. like local time, or no, the the later ones would have been. They were 8 a.m. that time. The 2 p.m. Yeah, the 2 p.m. games were so for the quarterfinals were 8 a.m. in New Zealand, which was perfect. Mm-hmm. I love I love mornings. So morning sports was excellent, especially because then I was able to watch most of the games before we went and did the things. But that also before. would have been 8 a.m. like the day after us, so was it confusing time-wise or like does your phone like automatically adjust to like... Oh, my phone my phone automatically and like my FootMob app automatically adjusted so that was nice. Um, okay. I, I got more confused with what was going on back home, like if I was <laughs> texting people or if I was like reaching out to things or like even just posting things. Like we would get back from the day and I would post something at like 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock at night there and like post like I did like daily recaps on Facebook so friends and family could see what I had been up to and when I would post them and then like people wouldn't react for another like eight hours like they would just and I was like that's but then like it would be like 30 40 people and I was like what the hell is going on and I'm like oh yeah because I posted it like 1 a.m. back home <laughs> thinking why is Elon shadow banning my posts this is outrageous <laughs> So, yeah, exactly. hey, guys, as much as we would love talking more about <laughs> Kyle's Listen, experiences Austin, in New Zealand. Austin told us he had a he had a hard cap. I know, I know. It's, so we're it's, milking it. It's my fault entirely. <laughs> and this is me moving on to the stuff we actually came here to talk about, which is uh, soccer. Guys. Woo! So since we did the last show, which was before the group stage started, we're, we're going to talk about the World Cup really quick, and then we'll get an all to a Orlando City stuff because Kyle did mention watching the World Cup games at like eight in the morning. So, uh, guys, how how about those knockout rounds? Uh, definitely happened exactly the way we expected. Well, I mean, I got the final that I predicted. Yep. So same. That. that that was good. I had France in the final, so I was somewhat right. And so did Brad. Brad also had I, France in the final. I would have I would have won my uh, my my works uh, little like friendly pool, the site that I I write. They we did like a friendly pool, and I lost by one point. And it's the the thing that like I should have picked, and I knew I was making a bad pick was when I picked the U.S. to beat Netherlands. Mm. But I had I had to be the only nobody else was doing it, and it's like well I have to. Yep. So like had I been smart on that, I would have ended up winning. But I I'm a homer, you yep. know me. Hey, you got you got you got you know th- listen. There was potential for them to do something there until you know they. Until they out. didn't. Until they didn't. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. Until they came out and played uncharacteristically bad, uh, similar to kind of how France showed up in the final. Just things that they had been really good at were no longer. And good. yeah, I mean, listen, the 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 final was top tier. Uh, yeah, I mean, I best final ever? Question mark. I mean, best one of the best games of all time. That's for sure. Yeah. So I like Uh-oh. Kyle's the first having a hot half, take here. 
No, 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 no. For the first bit of it, when it looked like Argentina were just dominating and France like hadn't shown up to the game, I was pretty miserable. I was like, why did I wake up this early? This is this is horrible. This is awful. And I think most people were probably feeling that way, um, whether they would like to admit it or not. I think most people were kind of like, well, this is boring. Like this is a like France just kind of completely, you know, pooped the bed here. And then when. Uh, the only French player on the field, Kylian Mbappe, decided to do something. Then it was like, oh, 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 yeah, they're they're they can be good. Um, I will say the the shootout was very disappointing, though. I think like having it be a not comp- it was a completely non-competitive shootout. Like there was zero. It, I mean, Fran- France looked awful. Like those weren't um guessing the right way on those saves and doing that was good, but those were also just really bad penalties. Like it was, I, mean, I wish it's not it out of the ordinary tighter. for any of the other shootouts in this tournament. I mean, how many teams went in France, Japan, like not France. What is it? Uh, Spain. Am I thinking of, or I know Japan was awful in their penalties. There was a couple of games where they went to penalties and, and the losing team was just God awful. But I mean, at the same time, I don't know. I mean, Argentina was the better team for most of that game. So like for them to be the dominant side in the, in the penalties kind of fits, yeah. Um. But I mean, yeah, like you said, you. I think what was so exciting about this game is how many times and how quickly the narratives change back and forth. It, you know, you have that first goal. What five minutes in, Argentina's dominating. Then it's two nothing, and it's like, all right, this is disappointing. France was nowhere to be found. They weren't creating. I don't think they had what a single shot on a single shot in like that first half. Um, and it's all right. Well, this is it. This is messy. And then it took what seventy seconds in around the 80th minute for Kylian Mbappe to finally step up and it suddenly it's oh shit like Argentina's gonna blow this like can you believe it and then it flips back and forth you're going and then Messi scores the winner in what that 118th and then Mbappe scores again on another minute on another penalty and it's back and forth I mean the drama the the way that this game progressed from nothing to something to everything so quickly um is what for me, it made it the most exciting, probably, game that I can remember watching. At least the game of this stakes and consequences. I will give you a real hot take. And that is that Messi was not the best Argentinian player in that game. Oh, I mean, Angel Di Marina was, was all over the place. Like, taking I... him off is where they their first mistake was. But Messi is is the hero at the very least in that. Sure. But I mean, we talked about this a little bit after it happened. I hate, hate that as soon as he scored that penalty, that first penalty, the whole internet collectively orgasmed about how, <laughs> oh my God, this is evidence. He is the greatest player of all time. Had any other player been in that position and made that penalty, nobody would have said anything, right? Because you're expected statistically to make penalties. Obviously, the shootout show that doesn't always happen. In high-pressure games, it doesn't always happen. But statistically, you are, you're expected to make those. So, like, awesome. He scored in a World Cup final. I think that's that's very good. But after that first goal, I was like, man, like, I don't understand this collective, like, holy mother of, of Jesus, this is the second coming of Christ, this is the greatest thing we have. Like, like I wanted him to, to win, I, I don't really have anything against Messi, and so seeing him win was great, and he played really well, but, like, this idea that he carried them, and he was, like, the savior of Argentina, when he was probably, like, the fourth or fifth best player they had on the field in that hey, game. Hey, 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 Kyle, Kyle, he Kyle. scored two goals, he scored in every knockout stage game. He yeah, okay, but the la- I'm pretty sure the last game he... was also penalties. Uh, he also scored on a penalty. 
All right, well, Mbappe scored two penalties, so does that mean that like France really shouldn't but, but have I actually been in I, it? But I didn't I didn't come out saying Mbappe was like, oh my god, look at Mbappe, what he did. Now his, his non-penalty goal was really, really impressive. But I wasn't oh, yeah. coming out when he scored the penalties like, oh, hell yeah, Mbappe, best player ever. I mean, Messi was the player of the tournament, awarded player of the tournament, and I don't think that there's anyone that can dispute that he wasn't. Um... No, probably not. Well, I, I might have found Kyle that can dispute no, it. But no, I think I, everyone else. No, I mean, I, I didn't put a lot of thought into who I thought was the best player of the tournament. I So I probably, I would I would say probably, yeah, I don't really have an issue with that. I'm just saying, like, this idea that, like, when a player scores a penalty, that it's immediately everybody rushes to see this is, like, the evidence. Like, celebrate the other things. Like, you're talking about, like, the other games that he had scored and the other things that he contributed. Like, there's a lot that he did that was really well in this world really great this World Cup. Like I'm not taking I mean for me I think it's I think it's more of just this is the moment. Like, you know, this game was hyped so hard around Messi versus Mbappe, two of the best players on the planet. Two of maybe the two best players. They play on the, on the same team. And they yeah, they play on the same team and you have them and and in this game they were the stars. They were the storyline. Like rarely does that happen because it's it's so hard in soccer for that one player. Every team has to to be the guy. Mm. But this was it. Like this was Mbappe scoring a hat trick, Messi scoring two of the three goals for Argentina. Like the stars, both of these guys came out and lifted their teams to that moment. And to be fair, either one could have easily won this game. And I don't think anyone would be saying, wow, France didn't deserve that or Argentina to deserve that. They both deserve to win that game. 100%. And, and it was in part because their players stepped up. And in this case, it was Messi finally being that guy for Argentina um, and, and cementing his legacy as, I'll say it now, like the greatest player of all time. And, and he, so was we'll, he was supposed to go to Miami after this, but now apparently he's going well, to be staying allegedly. in Paris. So we'll, he's staying we'll, in Paris we'll, now, apparently now. We'll, we'll have a little bit more of just our debate on this, you know, at a later date. But I will say, like, like the difference in this game, though, between those two, Mbappe was clearly the only French player that was really invested in making a difference. Like, that dude took mm-hmm. over the game. I think Argentina, their midfield, like, DePaul and McAllister were ridiculous. Like, that's mm-hmm. part of what allows Messi the ability to do what he does when he doesn't have to worry about anything going on in the field behind him. Because if he's playing in a team where there's not a strong midfield, he's not nearly as as capable of taking over game. It's why uh, PSG, with the front attacking through that they have, aren't just obliterating every team that they play, right? Because they're very, very top-heavy up there. So I think I think that is part of it. And it and I that's why when I say like Messi was probably the fourth or fifth best player on the field for Argentina, Argentina, that's a good thing. Like that's if you're Argentina, that's what you want. That's how you win the World Cup by having these other players that could step up and be world class. Um, I will say though, we'll take a, a quick trip to Kyle's conspiracy corner here. Um, out of curiosity, so we mentioned that that Messi and Mbappe play for the same club. What club is that? PSG. Okay, who owns PSG? The Qataris. The Qatari government. Mm-hmm. Where was the World Cup? Yeah. Where was Qatar. the World Cup held? Mm, yes, I see. And so we have two and those teams two, led yeah, by the two players for the PSG. Team. And well, and yeah. and it is ha- unfortunate that Qatar comes out as like massive winners and all. Well, of like SEOs. and and I'm just saying to add more to this, like Morocco making a run. That's kind of weird. But one of Morocco's key players was Hakimi. Where does Hakimi play? Oh, that's right, uh, PSG. I'm just saying. Uh, Are and you also, saying there was something in the water there. Well, I mean, the French team was kind of sick. Of, uh, every team got sick at some point because of the issues with the air conditioning and the way that was all working. So that was that was. 
not like specific to one team. That was a very big problem overall. But like, I'm just saying, at halftime, that was Argentina. Like they had that game won. That was mm-hmm. over at halftime. And then all of a sudden, I'm sure there was a little visit, maybe to a locker room from a government entity that also controlled the lives of everybody involved and the livelihoods of everybody involved, and might have said like, hey, maybe. Uh, Argentina, chill out second half and let them score a little bit. Or maybe, uh, you know, ref, here's a here's a couple hundred dollar bills. Maybe we uh, award some penalties. They, you know, they were. I mean, I'm not saying they were. They shouldn't have been penalties. I'm, but I'm just saying, you know, we make a bad tackle here, give up a penalty, and we'll give you uh, a couple thou. Just uh, just chilling. Just you know, want to make this uh, look like a good game. And uh, <laughs> either way, we win and can keep murdering. Uh, migrant workers because we don't actually give a shit about human rights in any way because we don't have to because everybody is still watching and Fox Sports is uh, just just jerking us off. Yeah, the yeah that, just that was enjoy uh, hmm. enjoy the next World Cup here in North America and then you know until we likely get Saudi Arabia in 2030. So yeah, there's that. <laughs> so it can get worse. Good to know. Uh, Lordy. All right. Um, any other final thoughts on, on the World Cup? Uh, it, it, it was just good overall. I liked that there were a lot of upsets. Yeah. I liked that there there wasn't a lot of, like, there were a lot of surprises. There were a lot of things that I was not expecting. Um, disappointed. That I kind of was hoping Canada would do better. I would have been nice. But, you know, only one CONCACAF team making it to the knockout rounds is uh, pretty good. Oh, I, oh, my other, my one other quick thing. I hate that the world gets so angry at the U.S. for calling it soccer, but everybody loves the Socceroos from Australia. Mm-hmm. The whole world roots for Australia, and their literal team name is the Socceroos. But when the U.S. plays, it's, oh, my God, if you call it soccer, you're the worst human being on the planet. I just don't like people, man. The world the world makes me angry. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> All right. Well, just, I don't get it. I don't get why everybody loves Argent or er, Australia, and they call it soccer there. And then obviously, like the, because the the, U, the U.S. is easy to hate. You know that, right? Like the history of the word. The word was invented in England. It was used pretty commonly in England until about the 1980s when the U.S. started caring about soccer. And then the English were like, well, shit, we can't call it the same thing. They literally have uh, soccer Sunday or soccer Saturday. One of the two is like is what they call the the like main broadcast over there. Like. Come on. Come on. Get out of here, England. You deserve to lose to France. Damn. All right. Um, before we move on to Orlando City and Pride and such and Orlando soccer, we would be remiss without uh, talking about one other thing that happened at the World Cup. Grant Wall, legendary soccer journalist who revolutionized soccer coverage in the U.S., passed away on December 10th at the the Argentina-Netherlands game. And um, it, it came as a, a massive shock, obviously, to everyone in the soccer community. Unfortunately, passed away to, due to an, an aortic aneurysm. And there was uh, a lot that happened after that. But the the main thing, I guess, is, is the outpouring of, of stories from everyone that knew him. Um it it was uh, a tough loss for U.S. soccer journalism, I guess. Since everyone's shared their stories, you know, that are obviously bigger and more important than me. I I only met him once in person. We actually sat next to each other at the U.S. World Cup qualifier in Orlando, 
and I had a, a great conversation with him over the course of the entire game and afterwards. And he's just, he was a great guy. You know, I picked his brain about a bunch of stuff and he was happy to share his thoughts on things and give me advice. And yeah, it was just kind of one of those moments I never really thought of in the moment. And then after he passed, I was kind of looking back on it. It's like, wow, I, I got to sit and talk with Grant Wall. Like that was, that was a lot bigger of a moment than I realized at the time. And it's unfortunate that now that he's gone, it's kind of more perspective on that. But yeah, very, very tough loss for uh, U.S. soccer and soccer in general. Well, and I think I think your story really is what everybody's stories were, right? Which is that like anyone who met him was it was immediately sitting and talking and having conversations and having real like human interactions. And every story I read about him barely barely talked about the things he did with the coverage, right? Obviously, U.S. soccer talked about what he did in, in bringing prominence to, to American soccer and to women's soccer and things like that. But the majority of the stories were just about how much he cared about other people, even when nobody would have really cared if he didn't go. Like, it was just all these extra little things. That, like, listening to Hercules Gomez talk about how he was trying to look back for pictures, the producer of their show had asked him, like, hey, do you have any pictures of you and Grant for us to share? And he said, you know, I didn't have any pictures, but for every major life event that I've had since meeting him, there was a text from Grant. And so just all of these, like, human interactions and these, like, you talk about good people. You talk about people doing, you know, just being real good people and having a good impact and doing things like that. I think that's where this is felt. So as someone who had never met him and never really had, never had interactions with him, like, seeing other people's stories and seeing how much he cared about other people, like, it is a, it is a devastating loss, not just for U.S. soccer, not just for the soccer world or the journalism world, but just as a human being and the impact that he had, which was immeasurable. And I, I guess the, the, the hope coming from it is that man, it, more people like that, please. Yeah. And, yeah, and he, mean, he set the, the, the tone for a lot of other people's careers as well. Like the amount of people that I've met that got to their prominence because of a phone call from Grant Wall or from like, I remember, I think it was Pablo Maurer who said that there was a point where he had his like MLSist uh, outlet that wasn't gaining any prominence and he was getting denied for like credentials for an MLS cup game or a world cup or whatever. And Grant made a phone call on his behalf and got him in because he just had that much power and weight. And it, it, it wasn't one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this to gain clout or anything. It's just like, no, I want to help younger journalists and like, grow the sport and want to get these guys voices heard and again that was that was kind of the other thing that that grant did was like he affected so many people's careers whether like he knew it or not so many people i've seen like owe a lot to grant wall and like say you know grant wall helped me get to this point in my career or grant wall like gave me advice that changed my way of thinking or whatever and that was you know kind of the thing that when you look at it, it's like, despite him being gone now, his voice will remain in the mouths of soccer people in the U.S. for decades because of the influence that he had on everybody else that is currently 
doing their thing. Yeah, and I mean, piggybacking off what Kyle said, I think that's, for me, you know, I, I've been in a couple press boxes with him, but I've never, I never went up and, you know, talked to him because I'm not a very, like, outgoing person, like, very shy in those settings. But I kind of wish I did. But um, when, you know, when something happens like this, when someone famous or someone prominent like this kind of goes unexpectedly, I think for a lot of us, or, you know, especially for me, it kind of, shocking things like that and they make you look at look at yourself and look at your life and you know we're never I think it's safe to say no offense guys I will support I will support the both of you and whatever you do but I don't I think it's safe to say none of us will ever be as large or impactful as Grant was um and what he did you know to, to who he did it with and for um but what has impacted me the most from this is is exactly like Kyle said when you see not just how much outpour of support and stories there are but what they are specifically and they were all on that same tome of the person that he was and regardless of where the three of us end up in life that shouldn't stop any of us from being that kind of person you know we all have that ability austin you you've done games you've you know you've done things that a lot of up-and-coming broadcasters would push you off a bridge to take your opportunities. <laughs> so you have, you know, you have that you're in that position potentially, you know, eventually to, to work with the younger broadcasters who want to ask for your advice and, and, you know, things like that. You know, Kyle, you work with, you work with students, you know, you work with people, young people, and you have that ability to do that. You know, I work in, uh, in the retail industry and I work, I, I say I work in the people business because I work with people as a, to to mentor and to to grow these people to be good at what they do just you know professionally and just personally so you know we all have that ability to make an impact in someone's life and you know small or large it it shouldn't stop us because of maybe we're not you know we're not big stars in our communities but that that doesn't mean we can't be you know the kind of person that Grant was and I think that's that has led to me doing a lot of reflecting on the last couple of weeks since then and kind of thinking about what I can do to, to follow in those footsteps. Just the realization that you don't have to be an important person to make an impact, yeah. you know, and you don't need to make impacts that were important on like a grander scale because a lot of these stories and things hearing from him and his life and what he did, they weren't things that, you know, a lot of people knew about at the time or were talking about at the time. It was just, no, this is just who he was and what he did and and never never spoke about it, never had to speak about it. It was just go out and do good things for people. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think what you're saying, in, in every, if, if there's anything we could take away from what he did um, throughout his life, I think it's it definitely has nothing to do with the coverage, although he was a phenomenal writer and and his coverage is like vital for the success of u.s soccer and very specifically uh, women's soccer in bringing it into the public mm-hmm. eye just a transcendent voice in that and so the fact that his impact on a human level is arguably the 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 biggest thing he he did i think that is that's just massive that is that's mm-hmm. it's incredible and yeah we just have to do what we can to to do that, definitely been a lot of self-reflecting, a lot of what, Jesus, man, if that's what he was doing, you know, what's my excuse? I've, I've got to do more to make sure what, what's, I'm investing in people. What's the least that we could do, you know, because he exactly. did, he did all this. And, and you again, you've seen so many stories about it. It's just like, 
wow, if he did all this, you know, how can I just contribute to that, you know? Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, all right. Rest in peace, Grant Wall. Um, <laughs> somehow, let us let us transition to all the other stuff we have to talk about. Wow, a lot of stuff happened with Orlando City the last couple days. Yeah, it did. <laughs> we just we just talked about something very sad. Can we talk about something really happy now? Like perhaps an Orlando City player who might have been traded or something like that. Sure, I guess. Uh, let's start with the. Let's start chronologically. We'll go Orlando City's chronological order. So last time we did a show was like early December. So I think we didn't talk about Kyle Smith signing a new contract. Or Andres Perea getting traded? I can't remember. No, we no, did. No, we talked we about did. this. We, yeah, we, we did. Because that all happened like together. Okay. So the only other stuff that we missed out on in terms of Orlando City was the broadcast agreement that they have. Uh, no more ESPN. It's just FS1 and, and Univision. I, man, I was previously like okay with that. But after what Fox did the other day I at the World Cup, I am now like, oh, that's uncomfortable i don't like that yeah mm-hmm. i mean they're committed to soccer and you, you espn's not i guess uh, which is unfortunate because espn is always i felt had the better general coverage maybe their mls coverage hasn't always been amazing but like i mean we, I, I was gonna say if you think about it fox is probably the only big sports cap sports property that does not have its own streaming service if espn wanted games they were going to want to put it on an espn plus but because apple has the exclusive streaming rights that wasn't possible so i mean it, it it's kind of stunning given that espn has been there since the beginning but i mean if you look at it more closely it, it makes sense why you would see not see espn do it yeah it, well, it does make sense i like i get it and like i said i was kind of okay with it before because like i feel like fox yeah has done a lot to cover soccer and then you know, for the, if anyone doesn't know what we're referring to, by the way, with what Fox did, they like had was it the the Amir of Qatar? Like was it like their head, the main like leader, or was it someone important? Honestly, like I was so someone that runs like I love Qatar on yeah. Twitter or something. They they had a they had a, a Qatari official on the broadcast, and they were dressed all in like traditional Qatari clothing, and it was a very blatant. We're here to kiss the. And lick the boots of Qatar and be super happy about all of this in the midst of like yeah, a migrant I worker. I, I don't know if people remember this. A migrant worker literally died in the middle of the World Cup. Like yeah. this isn't like it's some abstract like oh yeah things happened in the lead up to it and they weren't very good. This is like no something happened literally just like a week ago. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't watch a lot of studio coverage. Like I, I mean, hardly any studio coverage for Fox. So I I can't say. I'm assuming they played the stuff on air too, but if you followed on them on social media, they were putting a lot of sponsored content from Qatar, like specifically just about like how wonderful Qatar is and how amazing everything is there, doing like short little video segments and everything and it, it, stuff like that that really turned now, me off to wanting to have anything to do with their coverage. Uh, yeah. I, I I will give a little 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 teaser. We're actually uh, potentially next year sponsored by Qatar. No. <laughs> we are going to have someone on the show who was in Qatar for the World Cup. And they're going to talk about their experience. Uh, we got Chad Ochocinco? No. 
That's all uh, I'll say about uh, that now. Anyways, um, Chad, Chad, Acho Cinco, <laughs> Acho Cinco. And I getting to watch that, getting to watch the uh, the British coverage, by the way, and hearing Peter Drury on the calls for the games, even just his pre-game like he's amazing hype up stuff, like, man. Oh my he's god, who I aspire like, to be. People were posting unedited clips of just him doing like the pregame speech while they were showing the players in the tunnel, and I swear to God, it's better than anything that like any country would spend thousands of dollars on producing. It was just like, what a man, what a what a oh my God, it was so good. Yeah, and, and you wonder why Peacock decided this is the guy we want to do all our. Premier League games, like this is the this yeah. is the main guy that we want. Although, I mean, Instead hey, he's of good, White. but he's he's no Landon Donovan. <laughs> yeah, Land, Landon Landon's a special guy. He he's got a better. Great he got listen, guy. He got better as the tournament went on. He, I will say, he is a great studio guy. Like he was, he was pretty good at the studio, especially with Clint Dempsey. I thought they were pretty good. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, uh, have you comment, seen live commentary? Is not his thing. It's right. okay. Have you seen uh, Good Rivals on Netflix, by the way? Yes, yes. I yes. thought it's I on thought Amazon he was, Prime. Yeah, but he was yes. or yeah, Amazon Prime. Uh, I thought he was great in that. Yeah, he's that's why that's why like when people I I knew were like saying he was really bad. I was like like first of all like no he's not like he's he's really really good and can be really well spoken. He was very clearly out of his depth doing the um doing the the live like in-game commentary is just not his thing i also like john strong Stu holden has grown on me over the years where like yeah. their delivery is not the best i think it's just the way that they are like it's not in the control but, like Stu holden's a pretty Stu holden's a pretty intelligent dude and so i like listening to the things he has to say on a broadcast yeah, I like Stu. I mean, I'm not going to say that John Strong is not a good broadcaster. He is. His style is just not what I like. It's Yeah, American, I think that's what it I is think, with them. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's what... Like, having uh, two Americans on the call is definitely not... It, like, a lot of the things I saw people saying, especially people that are, like, from South American countries or, or, or just Latin America in general and talking about, like, it, it, there's not the same kind of passion and excitement, which is totally fair. It's just also not really how we do commentary for... In the states, it's just not commentaries. It's all very professional. There's no like, when the team of your country scores, you're not celebrating because it's just not not the way we do things. It's just just different. And so these guys came up from a different mentality. But um, so it's definitely it can be a little blander. But no, I thought I think that commentary duo is, and obviously they're on most of the the Fox Sports calls just in general that we get to see. So I've I've seen them a lot, and they've they've really grown on me. Uh, I really enjoy. Like I said, Stu Holden, I think, has a lot of good things to say, but it has pretty good delivery, whereas, like, I think Landon Donovan also had good things to say, but not great delivery. Um, super dry and has no personality <laughs> whatsoever, yeah. <laughs> right, which which is it just doesn't work for the commentary. But again, like, in the studio, when they could riff off each other, I thought he was a little bit better. But uh, listen, anything that keeps, like, Taylor Twelman off of my live game broadcasts, I'm just kidding. I love Taylor Twelman. He's great. Who's to say that 12 men will not be one of the broadcasting crews for Apple? I have a feeling that's a very distinct possibility. Mm-hmm. Probably. They're, they're going to they're gonna get some of the most recognizable names they can that also have experience in the industry. That is I also, just... yeah, I shared, um, I think it was World Soccer Talk. They shared that MLS specifically wants to get American voices in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is something of note regarding, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying this as someone, but, you know, Evan Weston is a very American voice. So he has been in talks I'm... with them. Yeah. 
I, I will say I do think I'm more obviously more American boys. I think what's going to be more important than what they do for the in-game coverage is what they do for the studio team. Mm-hmm. I think that was like even watching the World Cup. I think most people's complaints had more to do with the studio coverage than the actual game coverage, but but people were just making it general complaints. But I felt like the in-game coverage was pretty spot on, and it was just uh- the studio coverage that was that was lacking yeah austin mm. correct me if i'm wrong is it the maybe you remember the details are the pre and post game shows tailored to the teams or is it central i you know what i don't know if they actually said anything about that specifically like specifically like 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 how orlando did their own pre-game yeah it wouldn't be it wouldn't be anything it's like mls it hosting yeah it. it would be mls hosting it yeah, which which I'm I'm here for because I'd prefer a more balanced like let's look because that was like another one of the big critiques I saw about Fox's uh, World Cup coverage was like oh my god they every time they're talking about another game they keep then going back to talking about America I'm like okay but like yeah, yeah because they're an American network with an American audience but right. the thing I liked about when when ESPN hosted the last Euros before every game they would have somebody who had some affiliation with each team playing whether it was a former player coach journalist whatever and so you would be getting things from both teams that were playing instead of just a we're either mm-hmm. going to focus on one team like when the US played Netherlands or we're going to focus on the team of the you know talk about these teams but then we're going to keep going back to the country that we're broadcasting it right so I think I think a centralized thing for the MLS coverage I will say when Fox does the Women's World Cup, they generally do have like at least half a dozen people from like different nationalities. Yes, and Alexi Lawless on there. (laughs) Why? So it was. It is kind of disappointing that they really only chose like almost exclusively American voices, and I think like one or two British. But that was it. Yeah. When I I wonder how much of that is people not wanting to go to Qatar or like issues with that or or the cost of it. Like I wonder how much of it has to do with where it was located. Yeah, I mean they literally could have just had somebody call in virtually. Like COVID kind of revolutionized how they could do that. They did not want that though. Like they wanted this to be all in Qatar in studio. Yeah, like know, they they had that whole studio built out. Like yeah, they they were very clearly not going to do that. Which you know for better or for worse, I think most of us probably saved for worse, but. Uh, that was what they decided to do, and they stuck with it. I will say, with the going to national broadcasts, like obviously with MLS doing the pre and post game, you lose out on some of the hyper local stories that you would get when the teams are producing their own broadcasts, and you're you're missing out on some of the uh, the stories they were able to tell, uh, some of the content they were able to to put out there. Um, I don't know how that will look with this new Apple deal. Where app if I don't know if Apple or MLS will just like have the teams produce content then send it to them, um, uh-huh. but I'm curious to see how that looks in the future. But uh, so, we can talk a little more about that once we know more details yeah. about who's actually going to be broadcasting the games because we have no idea yet. <laughs> um, we still haven't talked about anything that we were supposed to talk about in this entire show, <laughs> and we're 40 minutes in. God dang hey, it! This is this is why people listen to us. Uh, it's fine, it's fine. We're we're getting there. We're getting there. Juan got traded, guys. Oh yeah! Oh, finally, Orlando Orlando City Twitter can finally start admitting that he was a liability this season and arguably before too. But finally, people no longer have to just blindly defend a mediocre to bad player just because he was on our team. Thank you. I, (laughs) God bless America. I'm so 
you all know my general opinion on fans giving takes, especially when they are drunk after games talking to fan TV things. But, man, whoa, thank God he's gone. Yeah, um, trading Juan for a draft pick is certainly interesting, given, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. that the draft is not a place where great talent is found in abundance anymore. Um, Now, just context-wise. Juan was traded straight up for the number two pick to DC United. Mm-hmm. No, no money, I, no yeah, other I, draft picks, just straight up, one for one. I thought, I thought that was a good deal. I think, I think, like number two overall pick is no slouch. It's not like you were trading for like a random late rounder or, or like. Well, obviously Orlando pick. saw somebody that they wanted, and I think, um, from what Luis Muzi said, um, he he said. In, in kind of a, a wrapping up kind of way, he said that they wanted to trade up to number one, but Charlotte was going to be tra- trading up to number one, and they knew that he, they were taking Hamidi Diop, who, by the way, has worn an Orlando City jersey before. Hamidi Diop, part of the Montverde Academy, and played in the Orlando City Invitational, won a trophy with Orlando City for that one game that he played in. Uh, Muzi was that was his first real year in charge of the academy, so he was very familiar with Hamidi. But Charlotte traded up, took a Clemson kid, so there's connection there. And once they knew that Charlotte was trading up to take Diop, they said, "All right, we're we're trading up to take Shaq Muhammad." Um, he Muzi did say that they wanted they liked Hamidi because they knew him, but he said we can't have everything. And so they went with Shaq Muhammad, who they felt was a very dynamic playmaker, a very quick technical player, and uh, just loved his game overall. Yeah, I'd say he f- he fits, at least for me, he fits more with Orlando City needs than Diop did, just simply because, I mean, Orlando has two starting center backs where they really need depth on the wings. Um, so, I mean, hopefully we'll see what happens. You know, their last first-round pick didn't go so well. But or not their last first round pick two their years ago their first round pick. pick yeah didn't go so hot yeah, so Derek, nobody talks about Derek Dotson anymore <laughs> yeah that's who he, who shall not be named yeah <laughs> but uh, no I mean it's a good pick for Orlando I think that was who I kind of saw especially as soon as they traded I was like all right I think they're gonna go try to get this guy mm-hmm. um, all I think he was a Matt Kerman semifinalist this year yep. you know very good goal scorer big guy strong. Um, should should fit in well, hopefully, you know, see how he mm. builds out. He's um, not very old. He's only 22. He's 19. Or, yeah, 19, I meant. Because I was trying to do the math. He was born in 2003, which is that's That's but, uh, <laughs> blowing my mind. All right, yeah. Anybody who's bl- born in 2000 is just yeah. like, oh, my God, these people are professional athletes now. Holy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I was reading something about Alexis McAllister, and they were talking about how he was born in 1998. It's like, oh, this dude just won the World Cup, and he's two years younger than me. That's not okay. <laughs> not okay. We're getting old. So right, can, we, uh, can hey. we talk about the draft for a minute, though? Well, hold like, on. Hold just, on. Well, I just wanted to finish off with Huan. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the... let me, hold on. Let me let me give you his all-time stats for Orlando City, just to put it in perspective, and then you can go and, and say what you want to say. Mm-hmm. In his 118 appearances across all competitions with 107 starts, and 9,000 minutes played, he sits fourth all-time in Orlando City appearances. He has a total of four goals and 15 assists in that time. (laughs) 
He did win a trophy with Orlando. So, put it to you in perspective: Robin Janssen has more goals than Juan does, and <laughs> Robin Janssen, as a center back, has played less games. Kyle Smith has uh, 109 appearances, by the way, um, but he only has three goals and three assists. Uh, he is also uh, sixth all time. Kyle Smith is in appearances. So we really hyped up over the last few months that this was going to be a transformational offseason. I think there's been some moves that we didn't expect. Did not expect this one. Did not expect Andres Pereira to be traded. I didn't think that Mauricio Pereira was going to come back. Mm -hmm. But with this one specifically, that's now both starting fullbacks gone. Mm -hmm. Now, Jao is a different story, you know, that more mutual on that part. Mm -hmm. But this one from of getting rid of Juan, I think... Orlando's biggest deficiency last year was probably the service they got from the wing and specifically the right side of the field. He couldn't connect crosses. Who wants speed? Yeah, who wants speed doesn't cancel that out, unfortunately. And if you're Orlando now, you have an opportunity to, and you know, this being said, they have no depth at that position, so they have to what go out and get someone. What are you talking about? Are you kidding me? But they, they, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What's the depth there? There are two homegrown players. Yeah, are they proven? Honestly, Do I we know I that was, they're good. I was very impressed with Mikey Holiday last year in the in the small instances that we saw him in. I, I can't believe this is about to come out. Am I thinking of Mikey Holiday as the guy who was awful in the Red Bulls game, or was it Cincinnati? He was awful in one of those two games, wasn't he? Yeah. Listen, yeah, I'm just came, saying that I, I can't believe, for that game. Yeah. I can't believe this is coming out of my mouth, but Gavin's right. Academy players, like young players coming up, not proven. I want them to see, by all means. I yes. I would love it if Orlando is able to have those guys plugging in. I'm just saying right now, like it's it's unproven. Like we don't know that they're actually going to be better uh, replacements for for Huan and you know exactly. for all of his flaws. That being said, you know, like I said, our, Orlando has a specific area now that they can target and they could say, well, we want better service into the wings. I think one way of upping Urkincara's production for the team is getting him better service and you now have that opportunity to find a right back who can do that and you know that is ultimately I think what's going to really take make this team better in the end but maybe it is Micah Halliday and, and I hope so um, but it will be interesting to see I think the indication of that will be if they sign someone who is a, who we all can look at and say that's the starter or they sign someone who is maybe kyle smith like in that he's you know a decent player but he might have to fight for his minutes with a mikey holiday so to yeah. speak and don't forget alex freeman who's also a fullback also yeah. a homegrown player yeah. so as of right now technically orlando has three right backs mm-hmm. the question is yeah, you know is one of them starting when, caliber yeah you know what they say when you got three right backs you really have none <laughs> oh is that what they say <laughs> yeah uh-huh uh, I no, but really quick though. Before we, I just go into the draft, like back on that really quick before we move away. Like the fact that a pseudo academy player for Orlando City can then go get drafted by another team because of the way that the draft system and MLS works. Like obviously well, he, we we've he was about he was and, less of an academy player than people think. Like he was part of that twenty nineteen. That's why I said pseudo academy. Like yeah. I get it, but what I'm saying is like this idea that like you can't the process of having players affiliated and 
but not always having complete control over where, where they're going because we've got the college system or we've got the way all the, like it, it's a mess like, yeah and they've they've, the they've opened up the homegrown rights so that like despite being from a certain area like it's it's not necessarily you're beholden to sign with that team or nobody yeah get rid of the draft man that's that's just where i'm at like it's, hey oscar Pereira loves the draft he is a massive I, fan of of college well, soccer in general listen i it's also love two rounds now right it's three i oh. i love arby's but that doesn't mean it's any good <laughs> Like, people, I can't believe you just compared the MLS Super Draft to Arby's. That's that is that is in it. That is yeah, it's fair. <laughs> I'd much rather I have Arby's. I'd, I'd I'd much rather have Arby's than the MLS Super Draft. <laughs> okay, well, uh, we're gonna talk about the MLS Super Draft now. So get your Arby's, Kyle. Oh, well, I would, but it's I gotta drive. And, you know, oh, just went to sad. New Zealand. I don't really have the money to go buy food right now. <laughs> Bought too many souvenirs. Sad. All right, uh, we mentioned Shaq Muhammad from Duke University. Uh, he is a Generation Adidas player, so he won't count against the Lions salary cap. Um, played two seasons at Duke, scored 13 goals and nine assists in 37 games. Mac Herman Trophy semifinalist, first team All-American, AAC Offensive Player of the Year, all South Region first team, and that's just in his sophomore year alone. Um, after the, he was drafted by Orlando, he said, uh, and I quote, this is amazing. It's literally a dream come true for me to be able to share this moment with my host family and my family back home. This is unbelievable. It's what you dream of. And to finally know it's happening, it's unbelievable. Now, he is from Ghana. And, um, in fact, all of the players that Orlando drafted have, outside of one, are from uh, a different country. Two of African descent, one of European descent, and one uh, is from Omaha, Nebraska. So, uh, definitely a very well-rounded draft for uh, different parts of the world. Uh, outside of the number two overall pick, which was Shaq Muhammad, they drafted Duncan McGuire from Creighton, who had the biggest breakout season out of any college soccer player. 23 goals in 24 games. NCAA Golden Boot winner, Mac Herman Trophy finalist, and an All-American. On second team, but still second team All-American. That's that's another so still, All-American. Some more. So yeah, that's still more than I've ever made. Exactly. So that's the second and sixth pick that were all Americans. Just just to make a note of that. Um, yeah, he's probably going to light it up with OCB this year. He'll be their Jack Lynn. Yeah, I was going to say. Jack Lynn will be Tesho. That's my prediction. I'd say it, it is slightly encouraging that Orlando is building a little bit of a pipeline of guys who can score a lot of goals. Um, it'll be, you know these college strikers don't always necessarily translate to major league soccer, but it is, you know, is mm-hmm. it's, it's a nice little pipeline they got. Yeah. So those are the two forwards that they drafted. Uh, Shaq Muhammad can play as a winger or midfielder. Duncan straight up number nine. He is, he is, he is just like what you would expect from like a, a poacher striker, you know, like Kyle Aaron. <laughs> uh, the other two picks that Orlando drafted were defenders. Abdi Salim, who just won a national championship with Syracuse with the 17th overall pick. Uh, he started his career at Division Three Buffalo State. His family emigrated from Kenya to Buffalo, New York. So going from the heat of Africa to the cold of Buffalo, I could never imagine how that would be. Uh, but now he's coming to Orlando, so there's, there's heat here. Uh, he started every single game for the national championship squad, only allowed 16 goals throughout the entire defense, didn't 
score, but uh, he is a solid 6-1 center back, can play as a fullback as well if needed, and uh, just a, a, a solid player at the number 17 pick. And then the other pick that they had, which was 46 overall, this one was interesting. Uh, Luis Grasso, um, he was a first-team All-American as a center back, and he's fell all the way down to that point. So this kind of goes to show you where uh, the, the depth of the draft was. I mean, Orlando got three All-Americans in the draft and a national championship player. That's that's pretty dang good. Uh, just quickly on Grasso, uh, he actually played in the fourth tier of German football before coming to play in the States for college, started 56 of 59 games in his career, scored six goals and added five assists, was named to the Sunbelt Conference Defensive Player of the Year, Sunbelt First Team uh, All-Conference, Sunbelt All-Conference Tournament Team, and as I mentioned before, First Team All-American. Uh, so two strikers, two center backs, basically with various other positions that they can play, because Grasso uh, can also play on either fullback side. He has done so in the past. So I think it's I think it's definitely addressing the the in general dress, addressing the weaknesses, especially up front. I'm talking about one of the things we talked about last season that Orlando City was weakest at was just scoring goals, right? Just mm-hmm. not not doing that enough. So finding other players that can potentially come in and do that. But I think the bigger thing, um is, is having some more defensive depth because I think that's been one of the 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 areas that if if you can't score goals <laughs> you need to prevent them from going in so I think I think having and talking about losing losing both starting fullbacks and so having having other options with again we were talking about with with homegrown players and this idea of we, we don't know that they're gonna pan out so it's one of those hey the only way to to have a better shot at finding one that'll that'll be able to cover one of those positions better is to have more options yeah I mean these are young inexperienced unproven options they've proven at the college level but um, Oscar loves his college players and he says that these guys could be very good pieces for this team he said in fact um, let me pull up his quote here very quickly. We're proud of the work our scouting department has done tracking all these guys during the year, and we are very sure that the about the needs of the team and what was desired on our list. We are happy to bring these young guys in uh, to the club. And then to refresh, I know people are going to love them as young athletes, and they are hungry to come and succeed in Orlando. I think another thing to think about, too, is you have all these these young guys coming in now is – Orlando's going to play a lot of games this year Mm -hmm. between the league, the league's cup, open cup, the playoffs are appear to be expanding a little bit to a minimum of three games now. So there's going to be a lot of opportunity if these guys factor into any of this and and they will see some faces. Yep. And here's the thing. They're not done. Uh, that's yeah. That's not counting injuries too. So. Yeah, they're not. They're not done making moves before the end of the year. Uh, Luis Muzi did say that there's going to be a few more signings before the end of 2022. Oscar Barejas said we still have work to do. I know fans are waiting and expecting some names, and uh, we're going to give it to them. So speaking of one of those names, uh, I was going to say there is a rumor that is pretty substantiated rumor. It's been around since early November and is now started to progress to the point of uh, it's pretty much a done deal at this point. Martin Ojeda joining Orlando City as their third designated player. 13 goals, 14 assists, and 45 appearances last year from Godoy Cruz. 
The Argentinian will be in the front three along with Fagundo Torres and Urshan Kara. Uh, he may play as a 10, he may play as a winger. Still not 100% on which position they'll they'll employ him on. They still have Gaston Gonzalez on the left, uh, who did not play at all last year. So they have a, a very, potentially very dangerous front four. Stop getting come. me excited about the thought of Fagundo on one side, or Hayda on the other. You've got um, Pereira playing that deeper role in the midfield, Ooh. and that's why I think Ojeda will probably Psych. play as a ten. Gaston Gonzalez, right? And and, and with with Mauricio playing as that deeper role to try and distribute from there, I think if Ojeda plays and starts, he'll be at the ten, pulling the strings, and then that allows. Mauricio to, to kind of not have as much on his plate and he'll have more playmakers on the field alongside him and then you add in Gaston Gonzalez who we still haven't seen yet uh, could be a fun year for Orlando if everyone stays healthy and everything plays out well I'm, I'm excited um, they still need a couple more signings they have Luca Petrasso at left back currently as we mentioned before not really any depth on the right back and still technically no depth on the left back side of things, but mm. uh, there's still time, still plenty of time before they end up doing anything with uh, starting the, the preseason and such. It does start earlier than usual, but there's still plenty of time to pull some free agents out of the, the market. There's still a lot of available players. And Luis Muzi did say, uh, we're going to make some moves in free agency. Now they've, they've signed Felipe to this point, uh, but I mean, that's just Felipe. You got so. two months. Two months until that opening game. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's there's plenty of time. And we've seen Orlando go late into the preseason before making some moves. So, yeah, still a lot to, to happen. Uh, outside of that for Orlando City, the primary kit reveal date has been announced for February 18th. So, gone are the, uh, the purple jerseys. And a new purple noise. jersey will be coming this year for the next two years. So... 2023 and 2024 season i just want something good i mean that uh what was it the bring the noise kit that was kind of a letdown the train chair there are the uh, the mud tracks whatever it was <laughs> tire tracks kit yeah i was not a fan well uh, let's 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 hope they do something with this one we, yeah. we will see yeah. uh other news from orlando city tesho akandele who left the club after uh this past season announced his retirement Stepping away from the game, uh, Tesho finishes second all-time in appearances for Orlando City after joining in 2019. 121 appearances and 21 goals. Uh, In terms of appearances to goals scored, uh, out of the people that have 100-plus appearances for the club, he has the second most goals out of any player, only behind Chris Mueller, who had 22. Uh, Kyle Laren in his 88 appearances, er, uh, 89 appearances, had 44 goals, and Nani had 31 in his 88. So those are the only guys that are in the conversation in terms of appearances to goals ratio. Uh, outside of that, that's, that's pretty much it for Orlando City. And uh, we are excited to see what happens in the preseason, which starts next year, obviously. Now, so the schedule drop schedules out now. Yes, you can check out uh, that is that is the last thing I wanted to talk games. about for Orlando City. The 2023 schedule for Orlando City is out. 
quickly they're going to be opening against New York Red Bulls, which continues the trend of Orlando City starting the season at home. February 25th at 7.30, a 34-game schedule. That's just for MLS. That's not even mentioning all the other tournaments that they're going to be having interspersed between there, which includes the March 4th game against Cincinnati, and then they go to March 7th to play Tigres in the round of 16 for the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, yeah, it's a little surprising that they have a lot of these northern games early in the season. They don't usually have that. Like, they almost never go to D.C. before, like, summer. They never go to Philly before summer. Um, they go to Minnesota in April. I mean, they got a lot of those games. Like, D.C. is the third game of the year, which, you know, exciting for me because I was hoping that I would get to see them sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. But uh, you never did, don't really expect them to, to go up there that early. I mean, it still going to be cold in March, too, so I'm not necessarily looking forward to being there at 7.30 on a Saturday night, but, you know, it is what it is. Pretty much. All right. Uh, Only three nationally televised games for Orlando. Everything is on Apple this year. Regardless of if it it being nationally televised or not, it's still going to be on Apple. So the first game that they're going to have on FS1 is going to be their game against Atlanta United which, again, simulcast on Apple. So if you have the Apple TV streaming service, you don't have to have Fox Sports to watch the games. That's that's the beauty of Apple. Uh, they're also going to be playing Inter-Miami at Exploria on Saturday or Sunday, September 24th. And then uh, at Nashville on October 4th. And those are the only nationally televised games they have this season. Uh, they will be hosting St. Louis City FC or SC, uh, on August 26th, that will be the uh, first time and the only time that those two teams face each other. So that'll be the uh, welcome to MLS moment for St. Louis, courtesy of Orlando, kind of later on in the season. So we'll see how that goes. Just looking at the schedule in terms of the MLS schedule at the very least, May and uh, July typically suck. May is the very, very road-heavy schedule. They're on the road for three of the five games they play in May. Only they're actually on the road for three of the five games that they play in June as well. So only four home games in a two-month span for Orlando City in that time frame. Uh, Only four games in July, and then they have a whole break from July to August for that other tournament that's going to be happening i'm like where's the break i'm looking for i see they do get a week off in the end of june so i mean that's yeah but that'll be nice the pause from the league from july 15th to august 20th i forgot about that's gonna be the liga that's more than a month yeah yeah. the liga mx and mls leagues cup tournament so if orlando city you know bows out early then orlando gets a little bit more of a break but uh, otherwise that's another long tournament to go for we do have one 10 30 game out in seattle a 9 30 game at rsl and an 8 30 game a couple of 8 30 games but other than that no daytime early this year no daytime what i'm hearing what what i'm hearing is that for it is for the best that orlando city don't progress very far in in pick a a tournament to focus on and just play that out that's what i'm saying yeah, I'm with I you. wonder how the Open Cup's going to work this year because wasn't their semifinal game like in that late July period? They'll have to make it work, I guess. Yeah. 
Hmm. Yep. Interesting. Like I said, pick a tournament, focus on that. That's what Orlando City did. They kind of picked the U.S. Open Cup, focused on that, and they won it. So if you yeah, put your mind, I mean, I, if you put your mind to something, who knows what can happen? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess, and obviously this was probably by design, but you know, because they have that break, they can focus on League's Cup. I mean, worst case scenario, they bow out after what three group stage games, and then you get two, three, you get three weeks off probably. So yep. you know, there's that. All right, that is it for Orlando City. Now on to the Orlando Pride. A bunch of new re-signings for this team. Erica Timrak back on a two-year deal. Veteran presence in the midfield, very important to how they played in that midfield role. Um, really no no new signings for the Pride, just a lot of re-signings, which also equally important to kind of keep a core part of this team together. Timrak, part of that deal. Uh, also, Kerry Lawrence re-signing. I think we talked about that last week. Viviana Villacorta also re-signing. So a bunch of players that were important to this team re-signing. And one player that did not play last year but is equally important to this team, Marta. Back on a two-year deal. 36-year-old Marta signed until she is 38 years old. I think that that was... I, I'm I'm curious to see how she plays but considering that Amanda Cromwell came into the Pride team and said, we're going to build the entire team around Marta, and then she got hurt in the first, like, second game of the season, I don't know if Seb Hines is going to take that same approach. I think he's known Marta well enough over the years to kind of not have to build necessarily around her, but she is I was going to say, she's building around yeah. someone that late in their career anyway is probably not the best idea when you're kind of laying a foundation, but, you know, right. you do you, Amanda. Yeah, and clearly what she did was, you know, problematic. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> there's there's a whole lot going on with her right now. Uh, the other thing, Marta is dating Carrie Lawrence. So, anyways, uh, NWSL draft is on second week of January, so we will reconvene after that. Uh, Pride have a ton of draft picks this year, which could be used for picks or could be traded to other teams for players. Before he was let go, Ian Fleming did say that there was an option to do both, but now that he's not there and they don't have a GM right now, who knows what they're going to be doing with that. That's fun. Outside of that, there's really no other Pride news to speak of. Kind of run through the gambit. The only random news is that Orlando City signed a new FIFA pro player. Oh, one would call that news. Yeah, rest in peace, FIFA Abe. FIFA Abe's been gone for a lot longer than you realized. Well, he was he was officially gone for a, a long time, but then kept popping up and doing stuff. So yeah, he was he was not their official pro player though. He was just doing stuff for the team it, as content. Yeah, he player. wasn't official. He was just representing them. Yes, he was doing FIFA content for them online, and that was it. He was more People of an ambassador. watch FIFA content like they do with like Call of Duty or Fortnite. Like, yeah, is that a thing? It's it's pretty popular in streaming circles. <laughs> it, it, it it is a thing. It is definitely a thing. God. Yeah. <sighs> we are we are running into the into the time here. Let's wrap the things up. What do we got? Uh, one other random note. Uh. Argentina's River Plate and Brazilian club Fosco da Gama are going to be playing an exhibition at Exploria right. Stadium. That's has be... Urso officially signed with Vasco yet? He has not. Or... Though okay. it is, he is was it rumored. has been rumored for yeah. a while. Yeah. It's January seventeenth at seven PM on think... as a Wednesday, by the way. 
I wonder if there, I, I can't, I mean, I can't imagine that it was intentionally done, but it would be like the perfect opportunity for fans, should he sign, to go say their goodbye since it was uh, so abrupt. Yes. And again, he had his 100th appearance in the final game of the season in that uh, loss to Montreal in the playoffs. So uh, he did, he did cross that threshold right before he left. Sounds good. Yes. Sounds good. Outside of that, I mean, we, we've pretty much covered everything. Do we want to do our weird news and, and red cards? Do we do we want to do our... Do we, oh, Austin. Oh, Austin. Hey, I, 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 if you've I, got something... I'm here, I am here specifically for this segment. All right. This is well, why I exist. This go, is go, why go I ahead to, to give us your weird news for this week, Kyle. Clemson head football coach says that their football program is being built on, quote, God's name, image, and likeness, end quote. Someone followed that up by saying that they should have someone pregame go to the center of the field, and similar to the way Florida State has someone putting a spear into the ground, have someone put a cross into the ground at midfield, and that would... While it was suggested in jest, Dabo Sweeney will very likely take it seriously, and I hope to God that he does it. <laughs> oh, Dabo Sweeney is a very interesting man. All right. My weird news is that a Michigan mom has been accused of catfishing and cyberbullying her daughter for over a year. <laughs> a 42-year-old mother is facing charges that she allegedly catfished her teenage daughter and sent her demeaning text messages over a span of a full year. Um two counts of stalking a minor, two counts of a using a computer to commit a crime, one count of obstruction of justice for allegedly harassing her daughter and her daughter's then boyfriend. Her all, She that's, also worked as a basketball coach at her daughter's school. Uh, according something. to the uh, news station and the prosecutor, uh, they collected several hundreds of text messages, including over a thousand pages of discovery. The daughter received up to 12 texts in a day. It was just harassing messages, demeaning, demoralizing, and mean texts. And she used a VPN to hide the actual location of where the messages were sent and posted as different teenagers. That's... Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Some, Some people should not be allowed to have kids. That, what do you got for us, Gavin? Not great. I got uh, Eddie Eddie Falco, a famous TV actress. She is um, Kyle might know her. She is in uh, the new Avatar movie, The Way of Water. Since this Edie is Falco? Uh, Edie yes. Falco, um, she makes a brief appearance in the film. She shot her um, she shot her scenes over four years ago. Uh, you know, obviously, it took a very long time for for James Cameron to make this. I think I think they ended up with what like a ten hour film that they had to edit down, and it's like three hours, I think. But she shot her film so long ago that she did an interview. She said that she thought the movie actually came out years ago and just like bombed. <laughs> like she had no idea that that uh, Avatar: The Way of Water uh, finally just now came out. I think it's on track to do uh, quite a bit of money. Um, in the box offices right now, but uh, she uh, she had no idea. She, if you had asked her, she would she wouldn't have known. Wild that it just came out. So that's kind of funny. Okay, she said, yeah. 
she said that uh, so much time had passed she thought it just didn't do well. I think she said, I saw the first one when it was out. I, the second Avatar I shot four years ago, I've been busy doing stuff. Somebody mentioned Avatar, and I thought, oh, I guess it came out and didn't do very well because I didn't hear anything about it. It happens. Someone recently said, Avatar is coming out. And I said, oh, it hasn't come out yet? I'll never work again because I said that. End quote. That's incredible. Amazing. She also said that she, her character is one of the few humans, but she she wanted to be one of the blue people. I was excited I'd be blue and very tall. I didn't get either of those things. (laughs) She appears as, uh, like I said, one of the few humans. General, General Ardmore. Uh, yeah, she's uh, it's not like a not like a major character, but she's yeah. in. So I, that I can totally see how she would have forgotten that she was in it. If that <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, that is uh, that is something. All right. Well, uh, any weird news or sorry, red cards and or playing advantages? Oh boy, do I have both for you? Go for it. My and they're tied together. My red card, by the way. Is to myself. Oh. I am giving a self red card. You will, for a minute, take your minds back to the year that is 2009. When a certain movie, actually, that Gavin was just talking about released. Um, I, I enjoyed it, as did everybody who saw Avatar, right? Nobody saw Avatar and went, that was the worst experience of my life. It was great. It was a beautiful experience. It's incredible. And for the last 13 years, I couldn't tell you what happened in that movie other than the most basic of synopsis. Um, so I didn't really quite understand the James Cameron Avatar hype train. I've actually, despite living about 20 minutes from it, have never been to the Avatar world at Animal Kingdom. I've just, I've never been. I've never had the opportunity. When I've gone, I've gone to Star Wars stuff or I've gone to other things. I haven't been there. So the reason I deserve a red card is because I'm playing advantage to Avatar The Way of Water, which I saw in New Zealand. Um, I, oh boy, I am so sorry, James Cameron, that I ever doubted you. I'm sorry that I critiqued you mostly internally, but sometimes externally when I made fun of people who loved the first movie so much. I get it. I have converted to the church of James Cameron. I will preach his gospel until the day that I die. It was such a (laughs) transcendent film experience. In fact, I'm going to see it again on probably the day that this episode comes out. This will come out uh, the day after we're recording mm-hmm. uh, with Austin we're gonna go see it in IMAX 3D because Austin wants to see the blue people because who doesn't want to see the blue people um yeah just oh my god it's wow it is incredible and so red card triple red card I'm actually suspended for an entire year for doubting James Cameron the, how about just the rest of 2022 that's that was the that was the yeah. okay got it that's a joke Alrighty. Um, let's see. I'm gonna have to give an easy red card to. Uh, I don't even want to say the guy's name. The 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 dude who runs Twitter. Um, real shithead. Um, uh, not really having fun there. I deleted the app off my home screen, so I still have it on my phone. 
Um, and I, I mean, just so I can, you know, occasionally you guys post links and it's easier to be able to look at it on the app than have to like touch it. And then it's trying to get you to download the app. So I still have it in case I need to look at things, but, uh, it's, it's also just good not having, not being able to just instinctively hit the button whenever I just want to scroll for no reason. So that's been a nice, um, so red card to the guy who owns it. Um, I do want to give a playing advantage to uh, the video game. Came out a couple weeks ago, High on Life. Austin, obviously, you know, you have... Uh... Is it on X- Is it on PlayStation? No, it is not. Okay, so it's just on Xbox. Kyle uh, has been out of the country, so I don't know if you've downloaded it yet. But uh, I downloaded it recently, and I started playing it last night. It's from the creators of Rick and Morty. Very fun. It's a very fun game. You're, you're humans who you get a abduct or like aliens come to the planet they start destroying earth and you got to go find them and track them down so it's uh it's very fun very funny you know if you're into that style of humor from those guys uh if you you know rick and morty uh solar opposites very funny just the kind of you know topical humor in there and crude jokes and all that nonsense but uh you know if you have xbox game pass check it out download it it's a it's a good time i actually just downloaded it this morning i'm uh looking forward to playing it nice there we go all right gentlemen uh that is pretty much it for for 2022 so before we end the show and i know we've gone quite a bit final thoughts on 2022 as a year for soccer or whatever else you just want to say i mean in general terrible just all (laughs) years are terrible because existence is terrible but for soccer we got some decent things like all of us witnessed live Orlando City winning a trophy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was that was a thing that we got to do, and getting to do it as a as a crew was was uh, a real special opportunity too. Especially with Gavin, you know, living far away now, so being able to all get together and do that it was a it was a really great year um, on the field, but it was also great off the field, getting to have opportunities like that and memories like that. So yeah, soccer wise, great year. Would recommend. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, we got, uh, like you said, we got Orlando City winning a major trophy, you know, something we never thought would happen, given the last, you know, gestures at everything this team has done. Um, (laughs) We got maybe the greatest MLS Cup final six weeks ago, and then it followed up with maybe the greatest World Cup final uh, this past month. I mean, it was a really great year for some great soccer, and, you know, now, or, Earlier in the year, I got to live the uh, agonizing pain of a relegation battle for Everton, uh, very emotionally draining last few weeks of the season. They survived that. We'll probably be back to doing the exact same thing coming up in May, so that'll be fun. Um, Outside of soccer, you know, Aaron Judge doing his thing. We got to witness something that has rarely ever been done in the history of baseball, so that was amazing. And he's now the Yankees captain, so that's also exciting. Um, the Sprint Cup season was good. The F1 season had some good moments, you know, early on, and then it became a rout for Max in the last last half of the year. But uh, you know, sports always find a way to deliver, and this uh, this year gave us some pretty good moments. So uh, you know, it's good stuff to look back on. Okay, I I will echo all of what you just said because I mean it's it's all pretty standard of what I was going to say. Um. Yeah, it was it was a very interesting year, obviously for for me, uh, starting with the Sentinel and then the Sentinel kind of changing their direction on things. Uh-huh. It, it's it's been an interesting one, just just adapting again, 
trying to figure things out. Some hopefully exciting stuff for 2023 to come. Looking forward to next year. And yeah, I guess that that pretty much does it for me. I do want to say, I think my ultimate favorite moment, though, is getting to report this podcast every week with you guys. So, you know, it's fun. I like coming on here, talking about soccer. You know, we have a good time. We we annoy Austin and all of the tangents (laughs) that we go down on. So, Austin, thank you for keeping us on track. Yeah, do what I can. This is... This has been our best year in terms of like the most episodes that weren't just you two. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's it's fair. Pretty, pretty consistently having having more than just two people on, so that's that's been pretty pretty cool as well. But yeah, no, definitely being a part Maybe, of this. Maybe uh, let's make it our our New Year's resolution to get Brent back on the show in 2023 at least at once. once, once at least yeah. once. Okay, uh, that's still pretty hard. Hey, listen, we we've made progress. If you're not setting your goals high, then you're not setting. You're not doing it right. You know, you got you got to have something to chase. Uh, I mean, I guess it's fair. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I know that man has the time for us. I see him online. I know he's got the time for us. <laughs> well, he doesn't have. He doesn't have the time because he's too busy playing COD. That's what I'm saying. Like, I know he's got the time. I know he's available. It's gonna happen. I have spoken to him personally. We'll do, I know he's we're gonna there. Do a new, we're gonna do a New Year's episode. We'll get him on. There you go. Hey, I'm back. <laughs> Whoa! Speak of the devil, and here he is. Wow. <laughs> Amazing timing. Well, now we have uh, to set a new goal for 2023. <laughs> so, Brent, how's uh, how's everything going? Not so well. <laughs> oh, well. Why is that? I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see you next year, guys. Oh, there you go. <laughs> All right, well. Um, Ooh, celebrate. Yeah, on on that note. <laughs> uh hey, uh one other thing, shout out Gino Vivi from UCF getting drafted twenty third overall by the LA Galaxy. Forgot to mention that earlier. Um, considering, you know, we've talked about UCF and such. And uh yeah. Shout out to to him. Anyways, that is gonna do it for twenty twenty two edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. Thanks to Brent Petkus for that that one moment of his <laughs> existence there uh, for uh, Brad Newton, who uh, unfortunately wasn't able to make it today, but also thanks to Kyle Foley and Gavin Eubank. My name's Austin David. We'll be back in 2023 with all new stuff. So until then, have a great new year and we'll see you then.